Okay, so when I was talking to my producer today about what, what I wanted to talk about on the show, and I told him I wanted to talk about inflation, he said, why? Why do you want to talk about inflation? And I said, and I said, because I want to moan about it. I want to groan about it. I want to commiserate with everyone about how awful it is. This, this delib, these deliberate decisions that the Biden administration has made that have led to 9.1% inflation, 9.1% inflation. Compare that to what inflation was when Biden took office. It was 1.4%, 1.4% less than two years ago, and now it's 9.1%. Just between June and May, so that one-month stretch that these new numbers reflect, prices jumped 1.3%. This this is obviously unheard of in most of our lifetimes. This is, you know, the inflation is growing at the fastest rate in over 40 years. I turned 33 this week, so I've never seen anything like this. We're feeling this. We're feeling this when we go to the grocery store. My grocery bill today was $250. And I usually buy for like five or six days. It's not quite a full week at once. $250. Um, grocery prices are up 12% in the last year. That is the biggest annual increase since 1979. Chicken is up 19% in the past year. Electricity is up 14%. Gas, I don't need to tell you this, gas is up 60%. Oh, that hurts me at like this gut level. Rent is up 5.8%. That's that's year over year. So that's right now compared to this time last year. Just monthly, June prices compared to May prices, energy increased 7.5% between May and June. Gas prices increased 11.2% since May. And this is very interesting because what the Biden administration and the leftist pundits are, are doing today in response to this really, truly awful report, um, this 9.1% inflation number, is they're telling us that this number is actually good news. They're telling us not to believe what's in front of our eyes and, you know, the hand that's dipping into our wall and that it's not real. They're telling us that this is non-reflective of the past month because it lags behind. So this is measuring the difference between May and June. And they say, well, now we're halfway through July. And what we've seen since, you know, since the month of July started is we've seen gas prices go down 40 cents a gallon. We've seen, we've seen wages increase and blah, 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 blah. Um, but this is a lie. This is a lie because if you look very closely at this data, if you analyze this data, you will see that core prices rose 0.7% on a monthly basis. So what does this mean and what does this tell us? This is an indication that the underlying inflationary pressures, and that's just a fancy way of saying Biden continuing to print money and spend money, which devalues our currency, that that is still an influence impacting inflation, that this is not just the residual effects of something that Biden did, but Biden has since stopped doing. And so we just have to wait out the consequences until they peter out. No, no, this is this is existing. It is it is still making an impact and it is completely widespread. Um, earnings, real earnings from from this year compared to this time last year have dropped over three and a half percent. It's three point six percent. Now, the left, the Biden administration, these pundits will say, well, your paycheck is actually bigger. This is great. There's wage growth. And that's true on, an, on a very isolated, narrow, narrow analysis. If you're just looking at wages, sure, wages are higher than they were last year. But if you compare the amount that wages, the percentage that wages have increased compared to the percentage um, of inflation increase, then wage growth lags significantly behind. Um, 3.6% behind uh, in the inflationary rate right now. So what I want to talk about today is, first of all, how awful this is. 
Second of all, how this is hurting everybody except the people who are causing it. Third, I want to talk about who is causing this. Obviously, the Biden administration. And I want to talk about the bigger picture here, how this is not an accident. This is a deliberate strategy and how exactly this strategy works, um, how exactly this strategy works for the larger political agenda of the left. So let's dig into that. I'm Liz Wheeler. This is The Liz Wheeler Show. All right, I like Nutrafol because it is both natural and it works. So the best of both worlds, and you all know how crunchy I am. There is, however, a holistic solution for you, for men, that promotes both healthier hair and whole body wellness without drugs or prescriptions. It's called Nutrafol. Nutrafol is clinically shown to improve hair growth, thickness, and visible scalp coverage without compromise. It is made of 21 potent natural ingredients that support sex drive, better sleep, and less stress too. I've heard, by the way, rumor has it that the issue that a lot of men have with these hair growth supplements is that it decreases sex drive. Not so with Nutrafol. In a clinical study, men showed progressive improvement in hair growth and thickness after three and six months. You can grow thicker, healthier hair and you can support our show at the same time, win-win, by going to Nutrafol.com and entering my promo code Liz, L-I-Z, to save $15 off your first month's subscription. This is their best offer anywhere. It's available only to U.S. customers for a limited time. Plus, you will get free shipping on every order. Get $15 off at Nutrafol.com. It's spelled N-U-T-R-A-F-O-L.com. If you use my promo code Liz, Nutrafol.com, promo code Liz. Okay. So the Biden administration, we'll just answer probably the third or the fourth question that I posed. Um, we'll answer that one first. This is this this inflation is Biden's fault. This is not something arbitrary that happened. This is not this is not simply the cycle, the financial cycle that happens. This is caused by too much spending and too much printing of money that we don't have. And it's really not rocket science. When when the Biden administration says the phrase economic stimulus, um, it, it's a euphemism. It's a euphemism for spending money that we don't have. And this is this is what gets us into this inflationary problem. It's it's not rocket science whatsoever. It's actually a very simple economic co uh, consequence, but an economic concept. When you spend more money than you have, it requires you either to borrow or to print that money. When you print that money the way that the Biden administration has, it devalues currency because we, we operate on a fiat currency system, which means our dollars in and of themselves, the paper dollars, aren't worth anything like if they were gold or if they were silver. They're, they're simply, they're a fiat currency. And when you print them without backing that up with any, any tangible value, then it lowers the value of any, every circulating dollar, right? Like I said, this is very basic economic. When you, when you print money that you, that you don't have a, a backup value for, and then you spend money that you really don't have, it devalues the currency. What happens when currency is devalued? Well, it causes inflation. It causes prices to go up because people don't value a dollar the way that they valued a dollar a year ago or two years ago or three years ago. This is literally all there is to it. That's the entire economic concept of what's happening in our country um, right now. The problem is, the problem is this, is, this is not something that happened accidentally. This is not something that happened as a result of bumbling politicians who were just dumb and uh, didn't pay attention to what they were doing and, and accidentally stumbled us into this inflation. This, is, this has happened very deliberately. And the Biden administration director of the National Economic Council, his name is Brian Deese, 
he was deployed by the Biden administration to try to smooth this over, to try to lie to us and tell us that even though we're facing 9.1% inflation, it's not actually that bad. And, and the Biden administration has a solution for it. Um, the problem is his solution is totally bananas. How long are we going to keep saying this is the worst of it? Well, well, look, uh, you know, a couple points on today's report, as you just said. The first is, you know, it's backward looking and it doesn't reflect what we've seen over the last 30 days, which is a significant decline in gas prices down about 40 cents. Uh, that June report, about half of it was driven by energy prices and we've seen uh, moderation since. But the second point is that in the core, inflation uh, remains too high, which is why we need action. And I just want to underscore if there's one thing to take away from this report, it's that there is more urgency now than ever in Congress moving to pass a bill to try to build more domestic semiconductors, to try to bring down the price of those uh, goods. You see across this report, things like used cars and new vehicles, those prices holding up, that is not principally driven by demand. It's driven by supply and constrained supply. We know how to solve that. We should have solved that months ago, but we now have a moment. We need to do that. If there's any takeaway from this report, it should be that. Although that brings us right back to the circular argument, Brian, that more spending is not what you typically do in the face of high inflation. How do, how do we break out of that circle? No, look, I think you have to look at the unique situation that we're in as an economy and think about how do we build more supply? How do we increase the productive capacity of our economy so that we actually can supply more goods, bring prices down? We know the answer on semiconductors exactly. We need more supply of those goods. You were just talking about housing, same issue. Obviously, mortgage rates are going to increase as, as the Fed continues to tighten. But as we do that, we need to keep home builders building supply. Because we know that at core, the housing issue is a lack of affordable supply. It's been a decade or more in the making. But as we move through this transition, providing incentives, for example, for builders to continue to build affordable homes as we do so, that's, that's, that's out of the traditional box of fiscal, uh, you know, Keynesian fiscal stimulus. It's more about how do we actually invest to build more capability here in the country that will help bring down prices in areas like semiconductors and housing. It's, it's actually almost impressive that he packed that much ignorance and that many falsehoods, that many misleading narratives into what was this? This video was two minutes and 10 seconds. First of all, what we're facing in our country is not unique. This is, we're, we're not some anomaly, an economic anomaly where the rules of economics don't apply to us. I just laid it out. I laid out the concept of what causes inflation. And of course that applies to us. Why would we, why would we view ourselves in the United States, our economy as somehow so unique that if you print money you don't have, it won't lead to devaluing of currency, which won't lead to inflation. It's ridiculous. That's a complete lie. Second of all, he talks about energy prices and how energy prices are the driver of this inflation. And part of that is true, but it doesn't paint the whole story. The whole story is we were energy independent under President Trump. And what did Joe Biden do? What was his deliberate political choice when, when he took office? He made us rely on foreign oil. He refuses to drill. He refuses to open these pipelines. He, he, he made us dependent on foreign oil. So yeah, that does, that does play into it then when Russia invades Ukraine. That shouldn't impact us except that we are reliant on foreign oil, which we shouldn't be. The third, the third thing that Brian D says, which is bananas bonkers to me, is he talks about how the semiconductor shortage is driven by supply, that this isn't, that this isn't a demand issue. 
And really what he what he should say here, again, this is completely misleading that he acts like this is some intangible problem with supply. No, it's because we are reliant on China for things that we shouldn't be reliant on China for. It's dangerous to be reliant on China to the extent that we are. And if we rely on China for semiconductors, then at, at, at China's smallest whim, they can they can stifle supply. They can stop supplying us with something that we need for our economy. They can help, they can play a part in throwing our economy into the, the problems that we are facing right now. Now, where does Biden play into this? Biden is extremely soft on China. Biden's son, Hunter, has financial ties to China. We're talking billions of dollars of financial ties to China. And after Hunter Biden secured those billions of dollars of deals with entities tied to the Chinese Communist Party, Joe Biden's Positions on China itself, especially on trade, softened. These are a result of Biden's deliberate political decisions. The other part of this, this supply issue is if you just blame the supply chain itself, our brittle supply chain, or even if you couple it with, with COVID and say, well, COVID disrupted our supply chain because our supply chain was brittle. Well, again, why are we relying on China for our supply? And most of the disruption to our supply chain wasn't a result of the virus itself. It was a result of the government policies, the lockdowns, the government shutting down businesses and manufacturing plants and, 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 and forcibly grinding our economy to a halt. The fourth problem with what Brian D said, again, I said it was kind of impressive that he packed all of, all of this misinformation, all of this nonsense into two minutes and 10 seconds. When he says the phrase, phrase, we have to provide incentives for builders to build affordable homes, that should make everyone's red flags just go up. Everyone's everyone's warning bells, clang, clang, clang. What does provide incentives mean, Brian? What does that phrase mean? Can you put that in, in a different in a in a different word? If you use different words to 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 portray the same meaning, provide incentives means that the government subsidizes builders. The government subsidizes builders. And if you if you deconstruct that phrase, the government subsidizing means that the government uses our money in a redistribu uh, redistribution of wealth type scheme and they're spending money that they don't have because they're not probably going to raise taxes to do that. What are they going to do? Well, they're going to pass stimulus that they don't have the money to pay for and they're going to print the money and spend the money. And so what do we have here? We have Brian Deese of the Biden administration. He's the White House director of the National Economic Council. And his solution to the 9.1% inflation that we are facing today is to continue spending, to spend more money, to print more money. Are you serious? This is just going to cause this to continue. It's going to cause inflation to continue to grow. It's going to hurt us more, cost us more money when we, when we do anything, when we, when we buy airfare, when we have to heat our homes, when, when we try to purchase a car, when we try to feed our families. And he wants to spend more money and he wants to make this worse. Here's the thing though. The people that are causing these problems, making these deliberate political decisions that result in inflation, they are untouched by inflation itself. They don't care because they are rich. They're wealthy. They're far removed from the struggles of everyday American people. That's why um, people like Paul Krugman could possibly tweet something so unfeeling as, as what he tweeted this morning. Now, I like ExpressVPN because it keeps my family and my information safe online. If you go online without ExpressVPN, 
well, let me use an analogy. Using the internet without ExpressVPN is like going to the bathroom without closing the door. Yeah, you want to keep your business private. <laughs> Likewise, when you go online without a VPN, internet service providers can see every single website you visit. They can also legally sell your information without your consent to ad companies and tech giants who then use your data to target you. When you use ExpressVPN, internet service providers cannot see your online activity. Your identity is anonymized by a secure VPN server. Your data is also encrypted for maximum protection. It's easy to use, by the way. You just fire up the app, you click one button. It works on all of my devices, on my phone, on my laptop, even on my router, so that everyone who shares my Wi-Fi in my house can be protected. I like ExpressVPN because it keeps my family and our personal information safe when we are online. Secure your online activity today by visiting expressvpn.com slash Liz. That's E-X-P-R-E-S-S-V-P-N.com slash Liz. And you can get an extra three months free. That's expressvpn.com slash Liz. You'll be glad you did. Okay, so Paul Krugman tweets, I almost laughed when I saw this tweet because I thought, how often do you and I sit here and talk about the difference between a hypocrite and an elitist. A hypocrite is maybe a politician or a person who breaks a rule, knowing that the rule applies to them, but they just think that they won't get caught. They think that they can get away with it. An elitist is a, a, a politician or someone with political influence who thinks that the rules that he or she creates applies only to you and doesn't even apply to them. So they have no qualms, no bones about violating these rules because they're untouched by the consequences of their own political actions. And Paul Krugman is maybe the epitome of an elitist here. This is what he tweeted this morning. The good news is that I don't think this matters much. <laughs> okay. Okay. So we're talking gas prices that are 60% higher than they were this time last year. It just doesn't matter. It just doesn't matter. Yeah, it doesn't matter to you. It doesn't matter to you and your wealthy friends and the elitists who are causing this problem. And he goes on to say, by the way, he goes on to repeat that talking point, the long-term rates that matter for the real economy, much more dependent on how high Fed funds eventually goes than on the precise path. He's, he's basically regurgitating that same argument that even though this is a horrendous number, it's not as horrible as you, the sorry people, might think it is uh, because it, 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 it's running behind, it legs behind. It's, a, it's baloney. It's a ridiculous argument. But this is what I mean. The, these elitists aren't, aren't touched by this. That's why they're so dismissive. For the past year and a half since Biden took office, almost everyone associated with the Biden administration, everyone who works for him, everyone who surrounds him, all of his spokespeople have dismissed the fact, the economic concept, the reality that when you print money you don't have, when you spend money you don't have, it devalues your currency. When your currency is devalued, it causes inflation. They dismiss it time after time after time. This is a compilation of the Biden administration officials in the past year and how flippant they have been to what you and I suffer under inflation. I really doubt that we're going to see an inflationary cycle. Most economic analysts believe that it will have a temporary or transitory impact. The faster than expected increase in some of those prices is actually a good sign. The overwhelming consensus is going to pop up a little bit and then go back down. No one's talking about this great, great deal. This is something that will uh, settle down. Transitory. Transitory. <laughs> and the data shows that most of the price increases we've seen are were expected and are expected to be temporary. There's nobody suggesting there's unchecked inflation on the way. It's un highly unlikely that's going to be long-term inflation that's going to get out of hand. I don't know anybody who's worried about 
inflation. Over the last couple of months, uh, we actually saw it trended downward. President Biden's chief of staff, Ron Klain, enthusiastically retweeted an economist who had said in part, most of the economic problems we're facing, inflation, supply chains, etc., are high-class problems. What is the Granholm plan to increase oil production in America? <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> that is hilarious. Well, the number one thing that the president can do is help get COVID under control. Uh, that, we know, is the root cause of inflation. President Biden this afternoon saying he thinks we're at the peak of the crisis right now and that lower prices are on the way. The inflation has everything to do with the supply chain. Make no mistake, inflation is largely the fault of Putin. I'm going to do everything I can to minimize Putin's price hike here at home. If you want to get rid of inflation, the only way to do it is to um, re undo a lot of the Trump tax cuts. I think ever since you've come into office, things are really looking up. You know, gas is up, rent is up, food is up, everything. I think my favorite line in that entire compilation is when Biden himself says, I don't know anybody who's worried about inflation. And I thought to myself, yeah, I bet you don't because you surround yourself with wealthy elitists who aren't touched by these, these policies that you implement, that you impose on the American people that are devastating to us, that are devastating to the American people. Instead, he just pivots to COVID and Putin. And we talked yesterday about the polls that show that even Democrats like 1% of voters prioritize COVID as an issue at this point. So the more that the Biden administration blames COVID, um, the, the more disconnected they're going to seem from the American people because they are disconnected from the American people. But here's the thing. This is not just incompetence. This is not just a stupid policy by a dumb politician. Although, yes, I know it is a stupid policy. And yes, the politicians are dumb. But there's a, there's a deeper level to this. So what we're seeing, what we're watching unfold before our eyes is what's called modern monetary theory. It is a far left, r radically left, really. It's, it's, it's borderline Marxist uh, financial theory or monetary theory. And th this is the exact playbook of modern monetary theory. They don't think that it matters how much money you spend or how much money you print. They think that debt and deficit is just is is just a, a historical record of the spending of a government. There, there's no fiscal conservatism, no, 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 no fiscal policy. I'm almost at a loss for words to describe how bananas this theory is, but they think that governments should print and spend money as much as they want and that there will be no economic consequences. And the reason for this, by the way, the Biden administration has advisors associated with his administration. He had advisors associated with his campaign uh, who were also associated with the Bernie Sanders campaign, who are some of the main proponents of modern monetary theory. But they, this, this theory says that, you should, that governments should print and spend money to fund all of the programs, particularly the social programs that Congress won't otherwise tax people to appropriate the money for. So it's a way to fund maybe Medicare for all, maybe the Green New Deal, maybe whatever, whatever their woke Marxist program might be that costs, maybe it's Build Back Better, this $5 trillion, this $5 trillion monstrosity, whatever it is that, it, that there's no appetite in Congress to pass because Congress doesn't want to go home to you and I, the, their constituents, and say, we're going to raise your taxes to pay for this, this enormous uh, government overreach of a program. And so modern monetary theory says, well, don't worry about people. Don't worry about taxes. If you need money to fund your program, just print it because then there's no accountability to the voters because it doesn't quote unquote hurt the voters. Now, you and I know that it does hurt us if the government prints and spends money, but it is a little bit more indirect. So it is a very sneaky theory. And 
Under modern monetary theory, now you might think, okay, this is going to lead to inflation. This, this would be untenable and unsustainable beyond a month or two. And that's true. But here's how modern monetary theory addresses that. They say when currency is devalued and inflation rises, at that point, the government uses taxes. They don't need taxes um, the same way that, that we do right now, meaning taxes are supposed to fund programs that Congress appropriates the money for. Um, but when currency is devalued and inflation rises, then you increase taxes on people in order, not because the government needs the money, but in order to decrease demand so that people stop spending and that decreased demand will lower prices. This is also one of the, one of the, the authoritarian aspects of modern monetary theory is that taxes aren't necessary to, to fund any programs or even to fund the, the operation of the government. Um, taxes are only necessary as a, as a tool of social control, meaning taxes can be used to punish certain people or certain behaviors or to incentivize certain people or certain behaviors. And, and mostly taxes are used as a tool simply to keep people using the, the currency of the United States government. This, my friends, is what the Biden administration is doing. This is, this is not a hapless idiot, although he is. Um, it's not just a hapless idiot spending money he doesn't have and printing money and it leading to inflation and that inflation hurting us. This is a deliberate policy, a deliberate strategy that the Biden administration is applying modern monetary theory. And we can watch it unfolding before, before our very eyes. And as you know, the, the end goal of modern monetary theory and the end goal of the Biden administration are the same. It is to topple our free market economy. It is to abolish capitalism. It is to, um, it is to enact government control over our economy. It is you know, socialism, this hybrid between socialism and Marxism and authoritarianism that uses our monetary system as, as the tool to achieve that in, in our country. That is what we're seeing before our very eyes. That is why, um, it, that is why when, when we see inflation at 9.1%, yeah, we should, we should weep and moan and commiserate about how much this hurts us because it does. And we should hold accountable politicians, elitists, whose policies hurt us, but are but the but don't touch the elitists who impose them on us. But we should also understand that beneath this is something even more sinister, even deeper. Beneath this is an assault on our very system of government, on the economy that underpins, that underpins our our entire the entire structure of our country here. Now, by the way, if you have not already subscribed to my show, um, would you mind doing so? Would you go to Apple Podcasts? Search The Liz Wheeler Show, hit subscribe, give us a five-star rating and a glowing review. If you don't listen to uh, Apple Podcasts, if you watch on YouTube, please subscribe to my YouTube channel and make sure that you signed up. Ring that bell for notifications so every time we drop a new video, you are notified. It's, it's extremely helpful to this show, not, not just something that I like. I do like seeing that you subscribe. It's also helpful to the show because it increases discoverability so people who haven't otherwise found what we're doing here um, we'll find it at, 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 because when you subscribe, it helps us. It helps us climb up those um, those those charts, and that uh, increases discoverability. So please head over to Apple Podcasts and subscribe. Please subscribe to my YouTube channel. I greatly greatly appreciate it. Um, John Bolton had the most hilarious kind of self own. Um, I'm not sure it's the own that he thought it was, but John Bolton was being interviewed on CNN by Jake Tapper. They were talking about the January 6th committee hearings. And Bolton, as you know, he was part of the Trump administration. Then he and Trump had a huge disagreement and Bolton left the Trump administration. He published a book later that was extremely critical of Trump, even though he acted very buddy-buddy with Trump during the administration. Um, yes, acting like silly school children, except in this case, silly school children with bosses. 
moms, silly school children who want to start wars around the world. And Bolton is very critical of Trump. But when Jake Tapper pressed Bolton about whether Trump had organized the events that happened on January 6th, Bolton had, well, I want you to hear this for yourself because it's one of the most hilarious things. Not heed the advice and keep shopping around until you end up with this group of misfits with uh, like Michael Flynn and Sidney Powell. Um, is he just not capable of, of hearing no? Well, when it comes to his personal advantage, the answer is he doesn't listen to anybody else. But I think this, it's also important to understand, while nothing Donald Trump did after the election uh, in connection with the, the lie about the election fraud, none of it is defensible. None of it is defensible. Uh, it's also a mistake, as some people have said, including on the committee, the commentators, that somehow this was a carefully planned coup d'etat aimed at the Constitution. That's not the way Donald Trump does things. It's rambling from one half-vast idea to another, one plan that falls through and another comes up. That, that's what he was doing. As I say, none of it defensible. But you have to understand the nature of what the problem of Donald Trump is. He's, to use a Star Wars metaphor, a disturbance in the force. And it's not an attack on our democracy. It's Donald Trump looking out for Donald Trump. It's a once-in-a-lifetime occurrence. I don't know that I agree with you, to be, to be uh, fair, with all due respect. Uh, one doesn't have to be brilliant to attempt a coup. Uh, I disagree with that. As somebody who has helped plan coup d'etat, yeah. not here, but you know, other places, uh, it takes a lot of work. And that's not what he did. It was just stumbling around from one idea to another. Ultimately, he did unleash the rioters at the Capitol. As to that, there's no doubt but not to overthrow the Constitution, to buy more time to throw the matter back to the states to try and redo the issue. And if you don't believe that, you're going to overreact. And I think that's a real risk for the committee. I've watched this video probably like three times today, four times today, and it's made my mascara run every time. Did you see Jake Tapper's face when he just, when Bolton just casually drops? No, no, it does take planning. I've planned coup d'etats and, or coup d'etat, and uh, it, it takes a lot of planning. And Jake Tapper's face, I think, for once is representative of, of all of our faces in this country. Just kind of like nonplussed, like, oh, you're just going to casually drop this bombshell and just move along? Oh my goodness. I don't think that this, uh, Bolton was attempting, you know, to, to own the January 6th committee and own President Trump. And I just don't think it's, it's the own that he thinks it is. It's a bit of a self-own. Although, of course, I agree with his uh, one statement when he said it's not an attack on our democracy. President Trump's behavior was not an attack on our democracy. That's obvious for anybody with even the slightest shred of common sense here. Um, but uh, uh, the real coup attempt that's happening in our country uh, is is very quiet right now. It's it's being done under the radar. It's it's being it was spearheaded by Joe Biden, and it's been ongoing for. Um, almost a year and a half now, just shy of a year and a half. And the name of this coup, the name of this, this effort by the Biden administration to subvert our, our democracy, our election system, our, therefore our constitution, the name of this is Executive Order 14019. This executive order Joe Biden issued on March 7th of 2021. And it's shocking that the mainstream media doesn't care about this at all, that we have heard virtually nothing about this significant and unethical and unconstitutional and probably, hopefully, illegal effort by the Biden administration to rig the, the 2024 elections. 
Now, I like Beam Organics because it does the trick when it comes to sleepless nights. Did you know that poor sleep can cause weight gain, mood issues, poor mental health, and lower productivity? A better tomorrow starts tonight. Introducing Beam Dream. Beam is the world's most innovative functional wellness brand with unique products for everything from sleep to recovery. And today, my listeners get a special discount available for Beam's sleep product. It's called Dream Powder. It's their best-selling healthy hot cocoa. It contains natural sleep-promoting premium ingredients, triple lab-tested, no THC, and you wake up refreshed. 98% of people surveyed fall asleep faster when taking Beam Dream, and 99% of people experience better sleep quality. You just mix Beam Dream into hot water or milk, stir, and enjoy 30 minutes before bedtime. And if you don't love it, then you get your money back guaranteed. For a limited time, you can get $20 off when you go to beamorganics.com slash Liz and use my code Liz at checkout. That's B-E-A-M organics.com slash Liz and use Liz for $20 off at checkout. Beamorganics.com slash Liz. Okay, so Biden issues executive order 14019 on March 7th, 2021. And essentially... What what this what this executive order does is it does what HR one failed to do. Now HR one was the For the People Act. It was the effort. It was Chuck Schumer's effort to have the federal government take over presidential elections. It 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 would subvert the states' rights to conduct their own their own elections. It was an assault on the electoral college. It would have solidified power in the hands of Democrats in the federal government, probably in perpetuity. It would have made it impossible for Republicans to compete at any level, which obviously is what the motivation was behind this bill. H.R. 1 failed. And when H.R. 1 failed in Congress, the Biden administration issued this executive order um, trying to use the administrative state, the, the executive agencies, uh, or the agencies of the executive branch of the government to do the same work for him that H.R. 1 had failed to do at the legislative uh, level. Now, the, the, the phrase or the, the, the way that this was introduced by Biden is that this executive order um, was supposed to increase voter registration efforts. And, you know, that's a very bland phrase. It's a very, it's a very, um, it's a phrase that's a euphemism, because even though it's very bland, we all know that voter registration efforts or get out the vote efforts are always partisan. In fact, it's one of the biggest parts of any president, not just presidential campaign, even down ballot campaigns is who do you want to get out to vote? And how do you identify these people that you think would be prone to vote for you to get them out to vote? This is this is a huge operational part of any campaign to target demographics that are likely to vote in one way. And so when the federal government is using executive agencies for election related activity, um, even if it's even if it's using a euphemistic phrase, a bland, vague phrase like voter registration efforts, there's an inherently, um, there's inherent partisanship to that phrase because there's inherent partisanship to those efforts. And that's simply the reality of the thing. So what Biden did is he directed 600 federal agencies. Yeah. Can you talk about the administrative states? 600 federal agencies. Do we really need 600 federal agencies? No, 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 we don't. Um, this is what the executive action uh, ordered. It said, in order to these agencies to, quote, expand citizens' opportunities to register to vote and obtain information about and participate in the electoral process. And the, this executive order, Biden gave these agencies just 200 days to submit plans um, that that of how they're going to do this, how they're going to 
expand citizens' opportunities to register to vote and obtain information about and participate in the electoral process um, to submit a plans to Biden for approval. Now, who was in charge of this approval? Who, who was going to give a stamp of approval to each agency's plan to do this? Well, it was a Biden, it is, not was, currently is a Biden administration advisor by the name, wait for it, Susan Rice. That's right. Susan Rice, um, it was in charge of approving these plans by these federal agencies and the plans themselves. Um, wouldn't you love to see that? Don't you think the American people should see what the plans that our executive branch is using to, to increase citizens' opportunities to register to vote? Well, yes, we should see this. I desperately want to see this. But these plans that have been approved or not approved by Susan Rice have been kept secret. In fact, Congress, numerous Congress uh, members have asked for details about these plans. Private groups have uh, filed Freedom of Information Act requests to see these plans, and the Biden administration has given nothing. Not a word, not a document, not a plan, not any indication of what this is. And and the problems here, the the red flags or the vulnerabilities, the reason that it's that it's pretty obvious that this is an effort by the Biden administration to rig the election in 2024 is because it would be so easy for these executive agencies to tie the federal benefits that they administer to the American people to election activity. And that's that's illegal. I mean, it's unethical, obviously, but it's also illegal. It's also unconstitutional for the federal government to take over state elections, which is what seems to be happening here. Um, Congress has not granted any kind of authority for these agencies to do any such thing. And you'll remember the Hatch Act. Remember at the beginning of the Trump administration how the Democrats were constantly accusing uh, Trump administration officials and advisors of violating the Hatch Act? And they were doing this, obviously, just for political purposes, not because they had any real concern that Trump administration officials were abusing their role. But the Hatch Act in and of itself, it bans um, federal government workers or bureaucrats, essentially swamp creatures, from election activities. If you are, if you are an employee of the federal, federal um, branch of government, then you are not allowed to participate in activities. That's why there's always a separation between a presidential administration and a presidential campaign. And th this has been the law for almost 100 years. Um, and the reason it became law is because the Democrats once abused a, uh, a federal program for partisan purposes. Just a little fun fact about the history of this bill or of this, of this piece of legislation, this law. Um, but the Biden administration, when they're, when they're directing these agencies to, to increase voter registration, these agencies are working with organizations outside the government, non-governmental organizations, third-party organizations. And so the natural question here would be, okay, well, who are they working for? And how do we verify that the organizations that they're working with are nonpartisan, that they're not radical leftist organizations? And the answer to that is, we have no idea. We don't know who these organizations are. We don't know what standard Susan Rice uh, Ms. Benghazi um, is is using to determine whether or not these these organizations have political motivations, and we have no much, we have no idea how much taxpayer money is being used in this effort. This is the red flags here. I mean, it, 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 the basket of red flags is overflowing. There's almost no way that this could be done without multiple violations of ethics of our constitution and of statutes that that are that are on our book here, and the people behind the scenes. So when Biden takes an action, we all know that he is the puppet here. He's being, he's being moved by a puppeteer. And one of the groups that is, that is moving Biden 
is a group, a Democratic group, a leftist group, I should say, called Demos. And this is this is a typical dark money leftist group. And they they had issued a white paper about doing this exact thing, using federal agencies to impact election, election, uh, election administration, we'll call it, around the nation. And Biden hired the former president of Demos and the former uh, director of legal strategies at Demos to administer some of this executive order. So the if you're thinking, oh, what a tangled web here, this is crazy stuff that's happening behind the scenes that we have no idea the details about. We have no idea if there are ethical violations. We have no idea if there are legal violations. We have no idea if there are constitutional violations. But if I were a betting person, and I am, I would bet an awful lot of money that there are rampant violations happening here. And we know this because there are several agencies that we actually can can trace this. There are several agencies where we know a few of the details. The Department of Labor is one of them. So the Department of Labor had these centers called American Jobs Centers that were, as the name suggests, they, they helped connect people with jobs. There are over 2,000 of these uh, centers in the United States that are are not needed at this point. And they've been uh, directed, the Department of Labor has been directed to transition these American job centers from job centers to um, centers for voter outreach. Voter outreach. Now remember, voter outreach sounds like a very neutral, a very bland phrase. It's not because voter outreach, who are the voters that you're reaching out to? Uh, what demographic do you think they're prone to vote a certain way? Or who's administering this outreach? Who's the third party that you're associated with? What kind of taxpayer money is used for this? Who's approving this plan? All kinds of questions that we don't know the answer to. The same for the Centers for Medicaid and Medicare. Um, they, they're supposed to turn their community health centers into voter registration agencies. At, the, at, at HUD, they're using public housing authorities to advocate for voter registration. The Department of Education is sent dear colleague letters to colleges and universities around our, our country, directing them to use federal work-study dollars um, for voter registration. This is just a couple of examples. This is just a couple out of many, many examples of executive agencies who have no authority to be involved in election activities, to be involved in election activities and to use taxpayer funding, whether it's funding because our funding pays these bureaucrats or whether it's funding for these specific initiatives um, that have to be partisan, that are partisan, that might be illegal or certainly unethical, maybe constitutional. And the Democrats, the Biden administration is hiding this from the American people. When our representatives in Congress are asking, hey, we see some red flags here and we don't trust you. So we want to verify that this is on the up and up. The Biden administration is refusing to show Congress even, let alone us what they are doing and how they are doing this. They, they are using government power without authority to impact elections. This is subverting the Constitution. You want to talk about a real coup? This is a real coup when the Biden administration, again, harnesses the administrative state to bypass the will of the people and impose on us their political agenda, when they rig our processes so that our voices are drowned in their administrative state and elitists and bureaucrats that are being directed by left-wing, far-leftist groups and the Biden administration are the ones who are actually directing the policy in our nation, the policy in our nation impacting your life and my life. That, my friends, is the real coup that we are facing in this nation. Now, over on the Daily Locals, um, 
President Trump slammed Elon Musk on Truth Social. And why did he do this? The real reason that President Trump slammed Elon Musk, that is what we are talking about today. So join us, lizwheelershow.com slash locals. If you use my promo code ACCESS, then you can listen for free for the first month of your annual subscription. That's lizwheelershow.com slash locals. Thank you for watching today. Thank you for listening. I'm Liz Wheeler. This is The Liz Wheeler Show. The Liz Wheeler Show is produced by Jonathan Hay. Executive producer, Chad Abbott. Director of photography, Kevin McRoberts. Editor, Alejandro Figuerilla. Sound mixer, Robin Fenderson. Director of marketing, Emily Washler. Production and talent coordinator, Matt Toffler. And senior publicist, Patricia Jackson. This has been a Soundfront production.